Can you go ahead and just declare with a loud voice, he is Lord. Indeed, he is. And he has risen from the dead. And that's what we celebrate on this Resurrection Sunday. And I invite your attention to join me in your copy of God's Word to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, beginning at the first verse. As you turn your way there, or make your way there, you'll see words similar to these. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture, that he was buried and that he raised on the third day in accordance with the scripture, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and all the other apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. We're going to go back and look, uh, repeat rather, what we see there in that second verse, the third verse. Well, the writer Paul says, For I delivered to you as a first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. The help of the Holy Spirit, I just want to reiterate what we've been singing and praising and thanking God for. And that is that Jesus, our Savior, lives. Amen. Would you bow with me? Father, thank you so much that you continue to bless us to be here on the Lord's Day. We get to turn our attention to you, asking Holy Spirit that you would speak ever so clearly to us that we might hear the truth of your word. That we might believe even more in the gospel that transforms lives, that you draw us closer to yourself, that we might love you more and love each other better, is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, in four days, um, we will come to a historic occurrence, well, at least to Houston, as well as to NASA. For it was in 1970, on April 13th, that Jack Seagard, a NASA astronaut, tried to communicate a message above the Earth's atmosphere to the space station below. Because there was some distortion in the line, the space station couldn't hear clearly what he was saying. So then James Lovell, astronaut there, came through with a clarion call, and he said, Houston, we had a problem. And since that time, that statement here, Houston, we have a problem, has been used to describe the emergence of unforeseen issues that happen in our lives. He said, Houston, we had a problem. 
An explosion had taken place that they weren't, were unable to correctly correlate and send messages so that the space station would hear. Well, I think of that when we enter this text. For the believers in this text, the believers in Corinth, well, they were experiencing a problem. They're experiencing a problem because there are those that were coming in that was trying to challenge their belief in Jesus Christ. When that happens, you know there's a problem. Fred, they were trying to challenge those believers to, to think and to question whether or not their salvation was real. Well, now that, that is a problem. They were coming in trying to persuade them that there was really some things to question about the resurrection. And that, my brothers and sisters, is a problem. When someone tries to convince you that God has, not, has, God has not given you forgiveness through Christ Jesus, well, that's a problem. When someone tries to come in and cause you to believe that God does not love you the way God loves you, well, that's a problem. When someone comes to tell you and try to convince you that there is no hope in the world, there's no hope of salvation, let me come and tell you on this Sunday morning, well, then that's a, that's a problem. But landing the good news in the text is that in the midst of all the controversy and chaos that was going on in Corinth, the Holy Spirit sent the message by the Apostle Paul. Holy Spirit sent the message of a reminder because when things happen in our lives, every now and then we need to be reminded of the truth of the gospel. Uh, maybe, maybe not just in our lives, but uh, you might relate to this uh, because it happens in my life. Because I know you may not believe this, but, but sometimes I forget some things. Uh, uh, wives, is a good time to nudge your husbands right about now. So, so, sometimes I, I, I have a lapse in memory. Some things I just, I, I want to hold on to them, Randy. I, I want to believe them, but, but sometimes, honestly... I just forget. But thank God he's given me a help me, uh, he's given me my wife that, that she has a gift. A gift of reminding me what I've forgotten. And I'll tell you how it works that way. She, she, she put it on post-it notes to make sure that I see it. If that's not enough, she, she texts to me on my phone. If that's not enough, she'll insert it in my calendar. She puts it all around so that that which I forgot, I would be reminded of. Come here, I'm just trying to help somebody understand something on this Easter Sunday morning. That in all that happens in life, there are distractions that will come our way that will possibly cause us to forget just how much God cares for us, just how much God loves us, just how much God desires us, just how much God wants to redeem us, just how much God wants us to be saved. And every now and then the Holy Spirit will send you a reminder to let you know just this truth that Jesus loves you, that he lives for you, and he wants to live in you. Jesus is alive. Because Corinth was situated by, by Athens. And the Greeks and the philosophers and quasi-philosophers at the time were coming in to, to misguide and misdirect those who were devoted to Christ. So Paul then pens these words. That 15th chapter, he, he tells them, I would remind you. I want to remind you, brothers, the gospel that I preach to you, which you received. I want you to hold on to that for a moment. He said, I want to remind you of the gospel. 
The gospel that God loved us so much that he came to us in human form in the person of Jesus Christ. The gospel that Jesus lived a life of sinless life, providing miracles to those who are hurting and ill and providing salvation to all of us by giving his life on the cross. The gospel that Jesus died for our sins. The gospel, it didn't end there, but on the third day, he rose with all power in his hands. He said, I came to remind you of the gospel. It is the gospel where which we are saved. We are saved by faith in the gospel. He tells us how we're saved by faith in the gospel. Look there in the text. If you hadn't turned away from it in the first verse, he says, you have received it. He says, you have accepted it. This word receive is to take in what has been extended to you. He says, this good news of Christ Jesus bring redemption to all mankind that those who believe in Christ will be saved through the salvific work of Jesus. He said, when you receive it for yourself, he said, you have been saved by the gospel. But how, how do you receive it? Romans 10, 14 tells us, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone who is preaching? I love the text here, Brother, Brother Preacher, because the reality is that when you hear the word of God, you have a response to know that whether or not I'm going to accept it or I'm going to reject it, whether or not I'm going to receive it, because I'm giving it to you. Let me put it to you like my mom did when I was younger. She was watching you online. Good to see you, Mom. Happy Easter. Glad you're with us. Here it is. She put it this way. She, she fixed the plate for us, put it at the table, and she said, well, if you're hungry, you're going to eat it. And now, whether or not whether or not you're hungry for it or not, this is the only thing you're going to get right here, and you have to receive it. Uh, that's old school parenting right there. Um, receive what has been prepared for you. Here, he said, you have received the gospel. There's nothing needed to be added to it, Lee. There's nothing else that is warranted here because when Christ Jesus died, he said it is finished and he completed the work on Calvary's cross and that is the gospel. That's why Paul writes in Romans 1.16, For I am unashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Don't miss this. That gospel is the power of God unto salvation and is with the gospel by which we have been saved. That's a relevant reminder to us, particularly when life comes in and tries to persuade us otherwise, that we have received the gospel. But check it out. He says, you receive the gospel in which you stand. I'm still in that first verse. He says, you receive the gospel in which you stand, which means there's something that we, we stand on and we stand in is the good news of Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm going to see how old you are. I see some of our young people here. Let me holler at you for a moment. Just our little baby. My little baby told me hello when I came in here. Good to see you, precious. Uh, back in the day, we had this, this, this punching bag called the Weeble Wobble. I'm not talking about dance. I'm not talking about dance. We had the, before the wobble, we had the, the weeble wobble. 
It was, it was a punching bag, something about it. Uh, some of you might remember that, that when you would, you'd punch it from side to side, it, it, would, it would lean back, but then it would come back up. It, you, you, you could knock it around, and it would, it would lean back, but then it would come back up. Well, come here. When, you got the, when you're standing on the gospel of Christ, storms might come, and it might cause you to lean one way. When you're standing on the gospel of Christ, trouble may come, and it might cause you to lean another way. But guess what, y'all? But when you have the gospel of Christ in you, saved by grace, then you know that in all of it you can stand. Uh, let, me, let me tell you what I did. Now, look, I don't advocate this if you're young. I don't advocate you do this. But every now and then, I inspected my toys. Every now and then, Randy, I want to inspect my toys. And so I had that weeble, and, that weeble wobble, and something in me wanted to know why it kept standing. I mean, I would hit it with all I had, and it would just keep coming back. I'd kick it and super kick it. Uh, some of y'all don't know nothing about that wrestling move. Uh, uh, but, but it kept coming back. And so I decided to, to, to inspect it. And all around it, it was made of the same material. But when I looked closer, there was something on the inside of it that kept it leveled, that no matter what happened to it, it'd come right back. Come here, saints of God. When the Holy Spirit is in you, he can keep you level. That even when Satan gives you his best shot, you can come right back. Because great is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And there's somebody in here who could testify on this resurrection Sunday morning that I've had some struggles and I had some trials. And I some things that should have knocked me out, but because the Holy Spirit is on the inside of me, I may have gone to the side, but I came right back. He said, I want to remind you, you are saved by the gospel. He said, I want to remind you that it's the gospel on which we stand. And if you don't believe in vain, it is the gospel that continue to save you. Oh, I'm still in text, y'all. Because right there in the third verse, he goes on, he says, For I have delivered to you of first importance. Uh, this is the main thing. That if you don't catch anything else, I want you to get what is of first importance. The most important thing in the Christian faith, the most important reality to each of us who said yes to Jesus Christ is is right here in the text. Look what he says. What's the first importance of what I also received, that Christ died for our sins. Oh, maybe, maybe you don't remember how sinful you, you are and were. Let me say it again. That Christ died for our sins. Oh, oh, I know it is. Because we don't always remember that the wages of sin is death. Uh, which means then that if you've done anything wrong, then that means that you are supposed to be dead. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And when you see that he died for our sins, the word there is all-inclusive. I, I like the text because the text in the Greek doesn't just speak to the sins you know about. Uh, let me talk to some people here just for a moment. Uh, uh, any of you know anything about sinning? You can't get nobody to make no noise when you talk about sinning, as though they've been obsolete, as though you've never done anything wrong in your entire life. Well, let me just talk about myself then. I still got some dirt on my shoulders, but every now and then the Holy Spirit comes and he brushes it off. Why? Because when Christ died for my sins, Cassie, he died for not just what I used to do and not just what I'm going to do, but he dies for the sins that I'm doing even today. Listen, the only sinless one that came to earth is Jesus Christ, our Savior, and he died for all. Oh, I get excited right there. All of our, our sins. 
that no matter what your state is, you can come to him and he will receive you. The Bible says if you confess with our mouth, the Lord Jesus, when we come to him and we make our confession to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And it cleanses from all unrighteousness. Oh, he said that we were, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. You see, we are saved by faith in the gospel. Uh, but in order to receive all that it is to receive by faith in the gospel... You have to be willing to receive the work of Christ. I think one of the saddest verses, we were studying this on Wednesday night as we were going through the Gospel of John in our study on Wednesday night. I, I saw this, and what, what may, I believe, be one of the saddest verses right there in that first chapter of John and the 11th verse. It says, Jesus came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. And some of you right now, that if you allow your hearts to be hardened, then you're going to leave out of here the same way you came in here. But if, if, if you hear the message of the gospel of Christ, just like it applied to the believers back then, it can apply to you today because here's the good news on the other side of the bad news that they didn't receive him. He said, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become the children of God. Come here, come here. I want to help you understand something, that he gave us the right to be where we didn't deserve to be. He allowed us to be the children of God because when you come to Jesus Christ, he sets you free. He cleanses you from all your sinfulness. He gives you forgiveness. And Jesus, God then puts his righteousness upon you that when God sees you, he sees a Savior who died for you. And that's good news. Good news. That we believe. But Ephesians 2 and 8 says, it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And when you have faith in Christ, that's a truth that you could stand on. But not only are we saved by faith in the gospel, we're, we are saved by the facts of the gospel. The facts of the gospel. Um, we, we, this is not just, this is not blind faith. This is not just, just take it because somebody said it or believe it because I'm preaching it. No, 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 no. This is backed up by the text itself. Check out what he says. He says, for Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture. There, there are two facts that Paul lays out to the believer. One, that Christ died for our sins. That's the first fact. And look at the proof that he backs it up with. He says, because it's according to the scriptures. And we know he died because he was buried. Uh, oh, you're not with me here. Let me just check for a moment. Um, um, uh, in the American custom, um, which I think is a custom all around the world, um, we only bury people when they die. I mean, you don't believe me? Call Klein Funeral Home. They'll tell you that, uh, that the only ones we, we lay to rest are those who have who've died. So it is proof positive that our Savior Jesus, Jesus Christ, the Word incarnate, that he gave his life and he died for our sins. That it's according to the Scriptures. 
Not only did he die, but he was, he was buried according to the scriptures. Uh, he, he who knew no sin became sin for us. 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, 21st verse says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He died for our sins. At the cross, God treated Jesus as though he committed all of our sins, so that by faith in Jesus, God could treat us as though we performed all the righteousness of Christ. Uh, This is good news for us. For I once heard it said this way, the key to religion is doing. But the key word to Christianity is done. Jesus paid it all. And all to him I owe. And it's proof positive. Jesus died. The proof is he was buried. And it's according to the scripture. But here's the second fact. He said the second fact is that Jesus was raised on the third day, that first Easter Sunday morning, and he says it's according to the scriptures, and there's proof. Tell your neighbor, there's proof. There's proof that he rose from the grave. One, there's proof because back there in Jerusalem, I've been there. It's already there. It's labeled on the sign. He is not here. He has risen. The tomb is still empty. There's proof that he rose from the dead. But Paul then, there it is right there. He's not here, but he is risen. It's right there, placard on the sign. But when they were there to go check out the grave, when the disciples went to check out whether or not he was there, they realized that only thing that was left were the grave clothes on the side because Jesus got up just the way he said he's going to get up. Let me show you how good he is as God. God told us how he was going to die, and God told us how he was going to come back alive. He said, I, no one takes my life, I lay it down. And if I can lay it down, guess what? I'm so much God, I can get it up, up again. I love our Savior because we can believe in the truth of the resurrection. The resurrection is true. And he says, it's according to the scriptures. So much so that when Jesus resurrected, he joined some of his disciples on that road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24, verse 25 through 27. And check out what Jesus says. He says, oh, foolish ones, and slow heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets Jesus interpreted to them that all the scriptures were concerning himself, according to the scriptures. Because when you look at the word of God, the historical books prophesy that he's coming. The prophets foretold that he was coming. The Psalms proclaimed that he was coming. The Gospels record his coming. And and Revelation gives us the fact that he is coming again. That everything from Genesis to Revelation is all about Christ Jesus. And it tells us that he lives and those who live in him will live eternally. And he's coming back again. I'm getting excited all by myself here. He's coming again. And he's coming for his, his church. Voltaire. Voltaire was this uh, French philosopher um, who, who 
raved against the Word of God. He was convinced. He said that, that the Bible would only last a hundred years. He, he raved against it, trying to convince other people that the Bible, the Word of God, was irrelevant. It was not useful for those who would read it. And guess what happened? Voltaire died. When Voltaire died, the Geneva Bible Association bought his house. And out of his house, they've they've sent thousands of Bibles all around the world. Why? Because God's Word will always be God's Word, and it's true. From the beginning to the end, you can trust in the Word of God. Psalmist said, thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You can trust His Word, for His Word stands as a witness that the resurrection is real. Oh, but not, not just that. Check out the text. For he goes on to say, it's real because of Jesus' appearances, his post-resurrection appearances. Look at verse 6. He said, uh, it was raised according to scriptures, and he appeared to Cephas as well as to the 12. Uh, Cephas, that's, that's Peter. If you know Cephas, that's Peter. Peter, if you know anything about Peter's resume, Peter got it right sometimes. Peter got it wrong sometimes. Peter would say stuff that was right sometimes. But most of the times, Peter would say some stuff that was wrong sometimes. Peter had that, that foot-to-mouth tendency. He would, he would say it before he thought about it. And, and if that's not enough, that when Christ died, was being crucified, when Christ was being judged, it was Peter who first said, I will never deny you. I'll never go away from you. But that same Peter, the same night, he denied Christ three times. Come in, don't judge Peter like that. I believe there's some Peters in here and probably some Priscilla's too. That, that, that you know that in your life, you've got some good days and you've got some bad days. There's some things that you've done wrong and there's some things that you've done right. But here's the good news in the text. Jesus appeared to Peter. Not only did he appear to Peter, but he appeared to the disciples who were the deserters who were hiding out in there because they were afraid of their faith. Jesus appeared to them. I'm trying to cut across the field to help you understand something that just like Jesus appeared to them and Jesus appeared to Paul in the text, guess what? No matter who you are, no matter where you are, when you trust in God, he can appear to you too. Uh, You don't believe me? When you're all by yourself and you don't have no hope to hope in, Jesus can appear to you and let you know there is hope in him. When you feel like no one loves you and you can't be forgiven and guilt has had you down, there's hope in Jesus who will appear to you to let you know that he died for all of your sins, that he can lift your burdens, he can give you hope, he can give you joy. And you, you don't believe me? There's some witnesses up in here who can testify that when Jesus appeared to me, my life was changed, my life was rearranged, and I have hope and joy again. Because he appears and because he lives. John 5, 39, Jesus said, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness of me. Saints of God, we came here to celebrate a living Savior. And when you stand on the truth of the gospel, He lives inside of you. Not only that, but he guarantees that that, that every piece of evidence from the historical resurrection of Christ is a piece of evidence for the future resurrections of the believers in Christ. 
Which means then that the same power that raised him from the grave is the same power that can sustain you, but not only sustain you, but resurrect you on that day when the Lord comes back, when he comes back for his church. And he wants you to be a part of that great reunion. See, we came here because we believe that Christ lived. We believe that he died for our sins according to the scriptures. We believe that in three days he rose from the grave according to the scriptures. And the scriptures tell us that he is coming again. And you want to be on the right side of salvation when he comes. When we celebrate the power of God, it's a demonstration of the love of God for you. The love of God for all of us. One of the most memorized verses in Scripture is, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. He reminded them in the text that you are being saved. It means he's saved you when you come to him, that he's in the process of saving you, that you become more like him. So that when he comes back, he saves you so you can go with him. I want you to hear me. It is not God's desire for you to be far from him. It's not God's desire for you to live a life of problems when he's the solution. You may have come in and you're like the Corinthians. You, you came in with a problem. When I was younger, we'd sing a song and said, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Wherever there's a problem, Jesus is the way. That is Christ who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when you believe in him, you belong to him. And he will live within you. And you'll have joy. You'll have peace. You'll have hope. You'll have salvation because you will be a child of God. I want to invite you to, to consider whether or not you're standing on the gospel. Whether or not you have truly received the truth that Jesus is our resurrected king. In fact, the Holy Spirit's been dealing with you since you've been here. You came in here knowing that, you know what, I got to get myself right with God. You, you came in here. The, God, God led you here. Because there was a decision that you had to make. We've been praying that you make the decision to receive 
the gift of the gospel. In fact, that if that's you, there's, there's a prayer that we have on the screen that I want to invite you to pray within your heart. Because the truth is, you don't have to leave here empty. You don't have to leave here weighed down by the guilt of sin and shame. We've been praying that, that you experience the freedom that's in Christ. But the Word of God tells us who the Son sets free. It's free indeed. I want you to understand that in Him, there's a freedom to live in the love of God. A freedom to not be burdened by guilt and shame. Freedom to be who God has created you to be. And you receive that when you say yes to him. So in your heart as you see this prayer, it's acknowledging that, that we are sinners. We're sinners in need of a savior. Jesus is our Savior. And I want to ask you in a moment to bow your heads. If you, you said this prayer, I'm, I'm going to pray over you. And on the count of three, I, I'm going to challenge you to take a bold step. Take a step of faith that if today is your day and you know that you have now accepted Christ. I'm going to encourage you in a moment to proclaim that by standing. But right now, would you bow your heads all over the building? Just, just bow your heads all over the building. So, Father, I know that there are no mistakes in your will. Father, you've called us to this place and you've led us here. And some of us have come in here with broken hearts. We've We've come in with confused minds. We, we've come in because we've been weighed down by sin and guilt. But we've heard the message of your gospel. That you loved us so much that you would, you would die for us. You would die in our place so that we could be delivered. Well, today we, we want to be delivered. We want to come to you. We want to give our lives wholly to you, trusting that you will forgive us, that you will accept us and allow us to know more of your love for us. Please touch our hearts. Please touch our minds that we say yes to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforest.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus, in person, on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.